I'm going to ask somebody to join Jen in this section here. There's nobody in this section. No. <laughs> Thank you, James. We have one. <laughs> We're in Genesis chapter 41. We'll be looking at verses 37 through 57. Uh, we've been looking at the life of Joseph. Joseph, of course, is a, a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Joseph was a very gifted and talented man in and of himself. Uh, but for God to use Joseph the way God wanted to use Joseph as the deliverer, the provision for his family, his, including his 11 brothers and Egypt itself, uh, Joseph must go through hardship. And he went through 13 years of hardship Many trials, many afflictions, and like that one song we just sang this morning, there had to be an emptying of Joseph for God to use him. And that goes on in your life and my life also. We, we've read in Genesis how time after time Joseph would be done wrong. Uh, he would be sinned against. And uh, these trials that would come upon Joseph, they were all for a reason. God had a purpose in the things, the difficulties that Joseph went through. Uh, God took Joseph through many years of difficulty, through many unfair treatments, even his brothers who hated him and wanted to try to kill him, but ended up selling him into slavery. Then we have Potiphar's wife who comes on the scene, and she basically assassinates his character with the lies. And Joseph is thrown into prison because of her lies. And there he languishes for, for several years at least. And then it appears that when the baker and the butler have the dream that he might have a way out of prison uh, for interpreting the butler's dreams and he interpreted the butler's dreams in a positive way but the butler promptly forgets Joseph and he serves two more years in prison but you know God has plans for Joseph and they're good plans but first there has to be this godly character that God is building in Joseph to come about. Joseph must learn patience. And the only way we learn patience is to go through rough, difficult, trying times. That's the only way we learn patience. Uh, there's almost like a Christian joke. Never pray for patience because you're asking God to give you a trial. <laughs> and, and that's sort of the way it is. But God will show himself strong and powerful on Joseph's behalf. But that is still in the future. Our God in his wisdom and in his strength and all of his power will completely turn around the life of Joseph and he does so in one day. One morning, Joseph is in prison. They call for him to be uh, bathed and cleaned up and shaven. And that afternoon, 
He's already interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and he's riding through the streets of Egypt, second to only Pharaoh in power. He is being exalted there in Egypt. So let's read our text this morning, Genesis 41, verse 37 through 57. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a man as this, a man in whom this is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, the interpretation of dreams, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off of his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephanah, Paniah, and he gave him a wife, Azanath, the daughter of Patiphira, priest of On, so Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of the Pharaoh and went throughout the land of Egypt. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food, food in the cities, and he laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. And so Joseph and to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came from Azanath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended. And then the seven years of famine became to, to come, as Joseph has said, the famine was in all the land, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. The famine was all over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe was severe in all the lands. The dreams have come true, and Joseph, by uh, God's knowledge, has interpreted the dreams for Pharaoh. If 
someone would have asked Joseph, what are your desires? What would you like your God to do for you, Joseph? I don't think Joseph in his wildest dreams could have considered what God will do in one day. The God-given dreams of Joseph when he was a boy have come about even greater than he could have ever imagined. He probably wondered many times if those dreams would ever come about, that he would be exalted and people would bow down to him. But here it is, one day, and Joseph's world turns around. Not only will Joseph's brothers and his family bow before him, but Egypt, the whole entire nation, and it was the most powerful nation in the world at that time, is bowing before Joseph. Let me give you a little glimpse of how my mind works. It's not going to be a good glimpse, so hey, don't worry about it. As Joseph rides through the streets of Egypt, and he nears Potiphar's house, and the call has gone out, every knee bow before Joseph. I think he has his driver slow down the chariot. And he goes, as he goes by Potiphar's house, he maybe gives her a little wave. Hey, remember me? <laughs> but uh, I told you it's how my mind works, so hey, what can I say? But Joseph, he has given Pharaoh good advice counsel from God so that Egypt can be spared devastation and starvation. And that's good advice. Verse 38, Pharaoh declares of Joseph, he is a man in whom is the Spirit of God. Joseph has become a man that the Holy Spirit has control over. It is not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have, but how much of me does the Holy Spirit have. And that's a big difference. For 13 years, God has been working in Joseph to bring about it as it is this day. God has been working for this day as much as Joseph has wanted this day. Joseph is now in authority over all of Egypt. He is running the nation of Egypt. And Pharaoh himself said, only in the position of power are you second to me. In other words, Joseph, you're going to run everything about Egypt. Not only is Joseph in authority, he is the man in whom dwells the Holy Spirit of God. And the Pharaoh notices this. Isn't it a good thing when unbelievers notice that we are a spiritual person, that the Spirit of God is in us? How many years has God been working in my life, in your life, to bring us into that place where others can see that the Spirit of God is upon us? He brings us to a place 
where we can be used of him. And God makes men and women spiritual today the same way he did with Abraham, Isaac, and with Joseph. It's not an overnight wave a wand over you and all of a sudden you're spiritual. No, there's a lot of dealing, a lot of emptying of this flesh that we must go through to become that man of God that he desires us to be. That brings me frustration in my life because the same behaviors that I exhibited years and years ago, I still battle with some of them. You know, the flesh still rears its ugly head, and I still do and say things that uh, embarrass me and that I'm ashamed of. But, but down inside, I desperately desire to be that spirit-filled God that others can see the Lord in me. That's one of my desires. Now, I've been a Christian most of my life, and yet many of those same battles are there today. It's when I first became Christian. And it brings us to say what Paul so said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me out of this body of flesh? And how true that is. But Joseph, he is not suddenly perfect. He is spirit-filled. People can see that God's spirit is upon him, but he isn't all of a sudden perfect. But he is at a place of maturity. He is at a place where God will use him now. Our trials, our difficulties come upon us because God desires to use us. You and I to do the things for his kingdom. So the question becomes, why do we resist? Why do we fight? Why do we battle against the work of God, spirit in our life? And why do I find myself trying to escape the trials that God is sending into my life to bring growth and maturity in my life? Those are good questions. We all have to go through the trials to bring about maturity. And God is faithful. He's been faithful to tell us in his word that he desires that we bear what? Much fruit. God desires you and I to bring forth fruit, lasting good things in our life. And the only way for God to do that is to bring about that maturity is for us to suffer through afflictions of this flesh. Sorry, there is no other way. And once God has emptied us of ourselves, he is faithful to fill us with his spirit. He doesn't just leave us. Once he gets that flesh out of the way, he pours out his spirit upon us, and that is a good thing. Joseph, he was very talented. He was a talented administrator. He had managed Potiphar's house and brought Potiphar uh, resounding success. Potiphar was so wealthy and, and uh, prosperous that he didn't even know all the things that he had. And it was because of Joseph being a talented administrator. And then Joseph is cast into the prison, and he rises up in prison, and he takes care of the prison. Joseph was talented. 
and even though he was gifted and had those obvious talents, Joseph was still in prison. He had not been uh, set free. But when God's time for Joseph came, and when God's time for Joseph was there to be exalted, we read that the Spirit of God is upon Joseph. And during those seven plentiful years, and we kind of go behind the scenes, Joseph is faithful. He's implementing the plans of survival for Egypt, storing up the grain, and he's implementing the plan that will feed his own family. Joseph, he's been given a wife by Pharaoh, and Joseph has two sons. Manasseh uh, means God made me forget all the toils of my father's house. Joseph is enjoying, as best he can, a happy life. Ephraim, his second son, it says God, the meaning there is God has made me fruitful in the land of my afflictions. But let's back up to Manasseh. Manasseh meaning God causing me to forget my father's house. The forgetting of his father's house is an example of Joseph having great patience. Joseph has learned. Joseph has not been forced to forget. He has chosen not to remember his family for a brief period of time here. He has chosen not to remember the wrongs that had been done to him by his brothers. How do we know this? Joseph is a man of authority. He is second only to Pharaoh in authority. Uh, why does Joseph wait the seven years of plenty and probably another couple years of famine? Why does he wait? He has the authority. He has the power that he could send a delegation up into Cana, go up and get my dad and brothers and bring them back down to me. I want to see them. Joseph had that power. He had that authority. Yet he has seen it is best to wait for God to bring about the actions, the events of my life. I cannot force those. I cannot push those. And Joseph has learned patience. He waits probably eight to nine years when he could have he had the power. He could have done something about seeing his family. But he waits, and uh, eventually his brothers come looking for food. But Joseph, he, uh, he has chosen to wait. Do we do that? When it's in our power to alleviate some of our problems, we usually do, don't we? We usually do not allow God to do all the work of his spirit in our lives that we should allow God to do. We usually jump out of our trial before God is through working in that trial. 
Joseph has chosen to forget his family for a time. Not to forget they exist, but he has forgot to go and do something in his own power about it. It is a remarkable act of patience and faith by Joseph for him to wait. In waiting, it's been said, is the most difficult thing for a Christian to do. Joseph, I think he had a righteous fear of interfering with what God was doing. I'm convinced that God must deal with me in bits and pieces. What do I mean by that? There is no telling how bad I can mess up a situation if God were to give me the whole game plan. <laughs> you know, he has to give me a little bit at a time because he knows I'll overreact. And God is faithful to reveal things to us. As his children, he shares things with us. But God also has what I call his timing for events to happen. Throughout the Gospels, there's a, a thing that our Lord Jesus would say on a kind of uh, constant basis, and he would say this about my hour. My hour hasn't come, or the hour hasn't arrived yet, or, you know, his hour to be exalted. The first came at the wedding feast in Canaan. Jesus' mother says to him, uh, do something about the wine, son. Jesus' response to his mother is, my hour has not yet come. What are you asking me, mom? Later in Jesus' ministry, when he is at the Feast of Tabernacles in the temple at Jerusalem there, many of the people are asking, are you the Christ, the Messiah? The religious leaders want to arrest Jesus. And in John 7.30, it says, They sought to take Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. It was not the hour. It was not the time for Jesus to be arrested, nor was it the time for him to go on trial. In John 16, Jesus is teaching his disciples, telling them how the Holy Spirit will come upon them once he ascends into heaven. And let me read you a verse in John 16, verse 32. Indeed, that hour is coming, yes, and now has come. The hour has come. So, there is a timing of the Lord that we would be wise to find ourselves Finding. Find that timing of the Lord. Like I said, that is one of the reasons God deals with me in bits and pieces. It's because God will give me a little information and I'll go crazy with it. <laughs> I just get so far ahead of him usually that it's, uh, you know, not even worth talking about. But in John chapter 17, Jesus, he will pray for his disciples, and he will pray for future believers. And then in, it says in verse 1, the hour has come. God's timing has come. Uh, glorify your son, Father, and your son, may he glorify you. 
You see, in God's timetable, Joseph wanted to be free. He says to the the baker, you know, when you go before Pharaoh, speak of me. Tell him of my plight. And then he sits in prison another two years. Two years. And it's easy for us to talk about two years. Just, you know, two years. What's two years? (laughs) If you're in prison, two years is a long time. But Joseph, he had that desire to be free. And we can think how cruel the baker was, or the butler was, rather, how cruel the butler was not to remember Joseph before Pharaoh. But simply put, Joseph's hour had not yet come, and he couldn't rush it. And you and I, we can't rush the things that God is trying to do in our lives. In two years, Pharaoh will have what we call the God-given dreams where God speaks to Pharaoh about what's going to happen to Egypt. And Joseph, in those two years, he will be exalted and he will be given power, more power than he ever dreamed of over all of Egypt. But Joseph longs for his family. And he wants desperately to see his father Jacob plus his brothers. But now he waits. And he waited probably eight to nine years for God's time to come about. He's learned to be patient. In James 1.4 we read, Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When we're patient, it shows our faith in God over our circumstance. Patient declares, I will trust God in his timing, even if I have the power to do something about it myself. We, and especially us men folks, we're problem solvers. We want to solve every problem there is. And we do not always allow patience to have its perfect work in our life when, after all, we know the solutions. We know the answer to the problem. We are not always ready to accept God's solution are God's answer for our situation when, after all, we know what we should do. Maybe you've had this happen to you. I've definitely had it happen to me. I've had God speak to me in a real, what I call, profound way. And sometimes he's simply telling me, you're not ready to hear what I have to say to you. And that can be very humbling. After all, I'm a spiritual man. What do you mean I'm not ready to hear, Lord? And he's, you know, that's just the way it is. Sometimes we're not ready to hear what God has to say to us. That's one of the reasons I firmly believe God leads me step by step, only giving me that next step that I can take. For I get things 
all out of whack. God has given Joseph his plan for Egypt. Joseph is faithful to implement that plan. And for seven years, Joseph stocks up food that comes in and the grain that will preserve Egypt. And it will also preserve Joseph's family, Father Jacob and his brothers. Joseph has been seven years in preparing to save thousands and thousands of lives. How critical was it for Joseph to understand to be faithful to what God had set before him? Very critical. And I think for Joseph to wait for that right hour, that right time to see his family was perhaps the most difficult task that he had in those seven years. Seven years, he's second only to Pharaoh in that power, yet for seven years he is patient before God for the events that God has foretold to come about. Let patience have its perfect work in our lives. Patience declares, I will wait for God's provision regardless of my circumstance. Patience just may be our greatest demonstration of faith that we can exhibit. Patience. May the Lord bless you with patience. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. We will have people in the back in our little prayer area. If you have any needs in your life that you would like to agree, someone to agree with you in prayer, please, please make yourself available. We would love to pray with you and ask for God to just come to your rescue in whatever situation there is. But let's pray. Father God, we live in a world where everything is instant where everything requires an immediate answer, and yet you say to us, have patience. Lord, we, we want to demonstrate our love and trust in you by being patient. So we do ask you to build patience in our life, and we know what that entails. We know that that will require that we exercise faith not always rushing to the first answer that comes our way, but wait for you to bring about your deliverance, just like you did with Joseph. So, Lord, build patience in our lives. Cause us to be trusting in you above what we're perhaps going through. May our trust in you be above our situation. Develop that kind of faith in our hearts and lives, Lord. We want to be pleasing to you. We want to be that person that you can use like you used Joseph, Lord. And you used him because your spirit was upon him and that you would give him great patience. We pray for the same thing of our lives.
Be with us, Lord, in this holiday season as we travel. Be with those who travel, Lord, as we see many of our relatives. May may a good testimony come forth from our lives. And may those of our family be able to see that your spirit is upon us, Lord. So cause us to, to realize that others are watching us. And let us be a good witness of you, Jesus. And we pray for this and ask this in your name, Lord. Amen.